Well, good evening. I am so honored. Mary and I are so honored to get to be here with you guys um, here in uh, the Seattle area, Tacoma area, wherever we are. Um, Adam would start spouting these names off. I think, well, well, where are you? And uh, but we are so privileged to get to be here. I appreciate Pastor Dan and Mary so much. Uh, we made a connection several years ago when both of these guys were over in Spokane, and and um, I've always appreciated so much Dan's heart and Mary's heart. Dan, I actually brought him in one time to do a meeting in Colorado Springs with me and play the keyboard for us and some healing services we were doing, and um, um, and I appreciated him coming and doing all that. So anyway. I'm just blessed to get to be here and uh, and greatly honored to be with you. Um, um, we needed to get Adam and Micah their stuff, get it out of my storage building and get it up here. So anyway, it was an opportunity to get to come and be with you guys. Um, we um, live in Colorado Springs for, for the time being, been there for about five and a half years. And we pastored, just so you'll know a little bit, I pastored for 22 plus years, just leading local churches. I was on staff as an associate, went and took a church in a little small town called Kenton, Texas. had about 2,500 people in it and uh, took, a, took a work there and was there for two and a half years. And then Mary and I, with our brood, we have six children. Adam and Micah are two of six. Uh, somebody says... Um, you know, how come you had some money? We didn't know what we were doing. Uh, um, and so, but uh, now the oldest is 32 and the youngest is 20. The youngest is down in Christ for the Nations Bible uh, College down in the Dallas area. And uh, they're all, there's two of them here. There's two of them in Colorado and there's two of them in Texas. So we have them across the way and they're all out of my house. <laughs> and that last little statement is the most important of all. They're all out of my house. And uh, but uh, we're we are we're privileged. They're all serving God, all going after God with all their heart, and we really appreciate that about them. And um, and so uh, there was something else I was going to mention to you. So we 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 were in Waco. We moved to Waco after Canton, and we're there for 16 years, and just pastoring and leading and overseeing churches, and had churches birthed out of churches, and all that kind of thing. And the Lord spoke to me and said, "I want you to begin to travel." Now that was something that I never intended to do. How many of you know God has plans for us that we don't actually understand ourselves? And so he was speaking to me, he was speaking to Mary, and we launched out and began to travel. Now, I'd seen many people do that before and almost starve to death. Whenever they had pastored a successful church or whatever and then launch out because they thought they were God's greatest gift to the whole world. And so I didn't really, that was something I'd always actually vowed, if you will, that I would not do. But the Lord clearly spoke to us and we did. So I've been traveling uh, full time for the last six years. We birthed another work in Colorado Springs that now a pastor is leading there. It's a small work of 60 to 70 people right now. Um, uh, But we got it up off the ground and kind of got it going. So he's taking care of that. I'm just traveling all the time. But uh, how many of you have ever heard of Waco, Texas? Okay. Somebody said, why did you leave Waco, Texas? I said, they burnt my compound down. I had to go. <laughs> That's actually not true. But uh, <laughs> for those of you that are saying, is he telling the truth? Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, we were there when all that happened, and it was a, tr- it was a tremendous tragedy. But, but we, were, we were there and, ha- and ha- saw God do a lot of great things. And all of our kids grew up there and for the most part. And... Uh, uh, but now we're just traveling and doing ministry and uh, out among churches and conferences and all that kind of thing. And it's a tremendous privilege for me. And uh, when I said I was coming over the truck and, and Pastor Dan said, hey, can you come and speak uh, at, at a church? We'll call a special service. And I was like, you're going to call a special service for me to talk to you? <laughs> and, and he said, yeah, we'll do that. And so uh, I said, sure, I'd be glad to. But I really feel like I've heard the Lord. I really believe. I believe. Uh, I understand that some, of, some in, in the house, if not many in the house, if not all in the house, are going through stuff. Anybody ever go through stuff? Uh, believe me, Mary and I have gone through stuff. We know what stuff is. We, we, and, but, and, and, and you scratch your head because it's like that scripture, I think, it's in First Peter, where it says, don't think it's strange when these fiery trials come on you. And you're like, well, I, I do think it's strange. What did I do to deserve this? Anybody in the room know what I'm talking about? What, what precipitated this? Why is this happening? I believe God loves me. God's for me. But, but why is this happening to me? Why has my life taken these radical turns in these places? Those are very good questions. And I don't mean to be bold. I, don't, I do mean to be bold. I don't mean to be arrogant. But, but the, here's the point. I believe I have some answers for us tonight that can help us. And I just want to say this prophetically. Now I'm shifting out of my introduction and trying to be nice to you. And, and, and 
and teaching. And I'm going to teach tonight, but I'm also going to just speak the prophetic word of the Lord. Mary and I were praying before we came over here, and I heard the Lord say this. I don't always do this by any means, but I heard the Lord say this about this house. That there are boundaries in the spirit realm that have been created by its history. Okay, there, there are boundaries that have been created in life springs in the spirit realm that's only going to let it go so far by its history. Okay, and I don't even know what that means. But here's what I do know. The Lord wants to undo those boundaries tonight. And some of the reason why you're going through what you're going through is you're bouncing up against that boundary that the enemy has had a legal right to set. And God wants to take the legal right of the enemy to set that boundary and break that legal right and move those boundaries back. So this thing, this thing, you people can go where God wants you to go. Does that make sense? So that means there's got to be some spiritual transactions in the spirit realm that governs this house. Do you understand that there is a spirit realm that governs everything? That governs churches, governs business, governs families, governs our life. They're spiritual. And that's what Ephesians chapter 6 says, that, that, that literally there are spiritual dimensions that control the natural dimensions. So if we're going to set things free in the natural and actually break people free from the bondages and the, and the, and the onslaughts and the things that are going on, if we're going to do that, then we have to know how to go into the realm of the Spirit and touch something there so that things are moved in the Spirit. So once that moves, then things can, can line up in the natural. Anybody getting that? So, so I want to deal with that tonight. So why don't we go to, to Luke chapter 18. As you're, as you're doing this, as you're going to Luke chapter 18, and we'll just kind of start here tonight, and I'll talk for a few moments. Um, years ago when I was in Waco, Texas, we were bebopping along, having wonderful things. We had really reached a point of breakthrough, a, a, pro, a, a place of accelerated uh, move, movements of God. Uh, the whole region was being touched. The whole region was being affected by what we were doing. There were other churches doing great things, too. But we just saw God really doing some really great, wonderful, massive things. And in the middle of it, all of a sudden, one night I had a dream. And in the dream, um, uh, there was this flock, it sounds crazy, of blackbirds. Now, how many of you know blackbirds don't fly in flocks? But they were flying in a V formation like other birds do. And, and, and there was a lead bird leading this, this, this flock, this, this, this formation of blackbirds. And I had a shotgun in my hand. And I just thought, I'm just going to shoot up there in the middle of them and see what happens. So I just shot, I just literally shot the shotgun in the middle, and somehow or another, by chance, I hurt, I hit the lead bird. And the lead bird began to spiral down and hit the ground. And so I went running to where it was, and when I got to it, all of a sudden, while I couldn't tell in the, in the sky, I could tell while it was on the ground. This thing was demonic. It had, it had a crooked beak that was in, in talons, and I mean, I can't even describe it to you. It looked so demonic. And all of a sudden, there were little children gathered around this bird. And, and I began to scream at the kids, get away from it, because I knew it wasn't dead, it was wounded. And in its wounded state, it was going to lash out at anything that got close to it. And I began to scream at the children, get away, get away, because I knew they were in danger. And the dream ended. Well, immediately after I had that dream, all of a sudden, all of our children and our young people began to be hit with car wrecks, sicknesses, disease. Now, I'm about to say something. We never had hospital visitation, hardly ever. We got to where we were going to the hospital three and four times a day with, with something different happening to some young person. It took me about a week in being the discerning person I am. I realized, wait, that's that dream I had. This, we, we brought something out of the sky, out of the spirit realm that was holding and creating boundaries. We brought this thing down, and this thing needs to be dealt with. So I remember, I, I, we tried everything. We were making all the hospital visitation. We were praying. So here's what I did. The next Sunday morning after the services, I said, I want all the children, all the youth, I want every person in this facility in this room. It's a 72,000-square-foot facility, 1,500-seat auditorium. So here they all come. And they come in, and I'll never forget. I just stood up, and I said, I apostolically decree in Jesus' name that there are boundaries set. And that thing which has been brought down, you will not lash out and hurt the people of this house. You will not do that. And I just simply made some very clear decrees, and everything, everything, I promise you, instantly stopped. Everything. And everything went back to normal. So once you know, that's what's going on here somewhat. I know. That, God, that the devil is afraid of who you are. 
And he's trying with all of his power to detour, to distract. But we have the authority to create the boundaries that say you can't. In other words, we're not going to let our history, nor are we going to let the demonic create boundaries. We're going to create the boundaries. We're going to establish the boundaries out of the authority that God has given to us. Amen? So look with me, Luke uh, chapter 18, and I'm going to read this, and I'm going to go to another verse of Scripture, and I will quote several Scriptures. We may look at a couple of later. Okay, Luke 18, verse 1. Jesus said that he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. So Jesus is saying, you need to pray. Okay, you need to pray. And then he says this, saying, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wearies me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge says. And shall God not avenge his own elect? Who is God? He's the just judge. He's the righteous judge who cry day and night to him, though he bears long with him. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Now, I'm going to come back to this in just a moment, but here's what you need to get out of that verse. Jesus puts prayer in a judicial system. So when we pray... We are stepping into a judicial system in the spirit realm in heaven. There is a real courtroom in heaven. I want to make a statement right now. And I want you just to take it, chew on it, meditate on it, okay? Every time you pray, every time I pray, we enter a conflict. Listen, prayer does not just engage God. It also engages the adversary. Because everything we're praying for, the enemy is is seeking to resist that from becoming reality. We see that in Daniel chapter 10, where that Daniel, uh, uh, chapter 9, excuse me, where that Daniel's praying. And God, when the angel finally comes through, he says, look, you were heard from the first day you began to speak. And I've come because of your words. But the prince of Persia resisted me from bringing the answer to you. Do you understand this? See, see, prayer is not just a petitioning of God. There, it engages every realm in the spiritual dimension so that when we begin to pray, there's not only us asking God for stuff, there's demonic powers that come to resist God's answers from coming to us. Okay, so here's what I want, to, want you to get. Prayer, or, or, or let me put it this way, where is the conflict? Is the conflict on a battlefield? which we have been led to believe and even taught, or is it in a courtroom? Where is the conflict? You see, if it's on a battlefield, that's one thing. If it's in a courtroom, that requires a completely different protocol. You don't act the same way in a courtroom as you act on the battlefield. Right? See, our problem, in my opinion, our problem has been that we have approached getting things from God as if we were on a battlefield doing war rather than in a courtroom seeking verdicts from the throne of heaven. Jesus very clearly here says, when you pray, you're stepping into a judicial system. It's not the judicial system of an unjust judge. He said you could even get verdicts from an unjust judge just by wearing him out. And how much more shall God, the righteous judge, avenge his own elect? I mean, you know, we have a friend in the courtroom. We have a friend who sits on on the bench of heaven. It's God himself. So we're going to come back to the scripture. Now, you say, why are you bringing this up? Because I'm going to explain to you why things have been going on, listen to me, and how we're going to stop them. You with me? So look at me in Luke chapter 22. Just a few pages over. Luke chapter 22, a very familiar verse, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you. Excuse me, let me back up to 28, like I said. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials. And I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my father bestowed one upon you, that you may eat and drink at my table, in my kingdom, sit on the thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now, he's speaking this to the apostles. His first twelve, his twelve are chosen apostles. And he is declaring what their destiny is going to be. I want you to hear something before I read the rest of the verse. The devil is desperately afraid of us getting our destiny. 
Because when you get your destiny, not only do you find the purpose for your life, but you actually are a part of expanding kingdom rule. That's why the enemy is coming after you as individuals and after this house to try to afflict, to try to hurt, to try to harm, to try to discourage, to try to distract. Why is he doing that? It's not about him not wanting you happy. He could care less whether you're happy or not. What it's about is the kingdom destiny you were created for. I want you to hear that. It's about the kingdom destiny you were created for. If we think it's about our happiness, we're misinterpreting what's going on. It's not about us being happy. It's about us getting our kingdom purpose, our kingdom destiny, the reason we were put on the planet. You have, God has ordained you to be a part of a house that is going to push back the gates of hell and establish kingdom rule in a new dimension and a new realm in this area and in this, in this place. And so the devil is fearful of that. So he says, what are we going to do? We're going to resist them and we're going to push back against them with all sorts of circumstances to try to detour them and distract them from what they're really here for. See, so Jesus begins his discourse here by saying, look, guys, this is your destiny. You're going to actually sit on the throne and you're going to judge nations. You're going to judge the 12 tribes of Israel. This is what I made you for. Now watch. Then he launches into verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Why? Because he's, he's, he's afraid of the destiny that's locked up on the inside of you. And that if you ever discover that destiny, Peter, you're going to do massive damage to Satan's dimensions. So he says, he's desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I pray for you that your faith not fail. And when you return to me, strengthen your brothers. Now, it's very interesting when it says he's asked for you or he's desired you. It doesn't take a scholar. Just look it up in the Strong's. The word ask or desired actually means he's demanded you be put on trial. That's what it means. Is he's demanded you be put on trial. In other words, Satan has come as the, what's his, Revelation 12 to him, the accuser of the brethren. And he says, I have gathered evidence against Peter. And I am demanding that I have an opportunity to bring that evidence. Watch this. To you, judge of all, against Peter, so that he cannot qualify for the destiny that he was made for. And I'm going to show this to you in just a moment. So he said, Satan has come demanding you be put on trial. Let me put you this way. Anything, please hear what I'm about to say. Any issue that comes to attack our lives cannot attack it unless it has a legal right to attack it. In other words, my own sin or even the sin of my bloodline. Things that I don't even know anything about, but the demonic forces do actually come and exploit sin in me or sin in my bloodline and they present it in the courts of heaven and they literally say this person cannot have their destiny because they are disqualified by the sin that's in their life now i don't know about you but i got some of that but i have good news for you there's an answer to it they overcome the accuser of the brethren revelation 12:10 11 by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and by not loving their life unto death. That literally I can take primarily the blood of the Lamb, and I can answer every accusation against me that is giving the devil the legal right to come and attack me or my family. Because he see, what, here's, if you can picture this, this church begins to rise up. It begins to express a level of kingdom authority and power and influence. The devil says, we've got to find out a way to stop this. So he starts searching issues. Now watch this. Issues that may never have been issues if you had not, if you had not began to wield an influence that you are now wielding. See, I always put it this way. When you become a part of a house like this, you will have battles you would not have had otherwise. But you will also have victories you would not have had otherwise. So here's the deal. 
He starts searching out a legal reason. You say, what do we do? We shut down the legal reasons by answering the accusations because he's using this against Peter. He's using this against Peter and, be, and, and to seek to sift him as sweet so that he cannot accomplish his destiny. Now, to help us further understand that, I'm going to ask you to look at one more scripture, Daniel chapter 7. And then we'll get to the core of what I want to say. I'm just kind of laying a foundation. Daniel chapter 7. And verse 10. It said, A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousands, thousands ministered to him. This is Daniel seeing a vision. Ten thousands, ten thousands, uh, times ten thousands stood before him. And watch what this is about to say. The court was seated and the books were open what court the court of heaven the court of heaven was he see i told you there's a very real court in heaven jesus in luke 18 puts prayer in a judicial system what's that judicial system the same court system that daniel is seeing in daniel chapter 7 and verse 10 so the court was seated the judicial system of heaven was seated and the books were open oh that's an interesting thing books yes another word for it is scrolls there are scrolls. Just, just, do a, just do a reference study on books or scrolls in the Bible. You'll be amazed. There's books of remembrance. There's books of life. There's, there's books about nations. Do, let me put it this way. Everything that has kingdom significance, there's a book in heaven about it. Psalms 139 verse 16 says there's a book about your life and my life. David said that my days yet unfashioned and my substance yet unseen were written down in a book. Do you understand that? Before you existed in planet earth, God wrote your destiny down in a book. You with me? You have, a de- you have this... See, when, a, when Satan came against Peter in Luke 22, he's come and demanded you be put on trial. Here's what he was doing. He was saying, please get this. He was saying to Peter, or about Peter, I, I have had to, Satan was basically, I somehow or another have seen what's in your book, what is written down about you, and I have to get you disqualified from getting what's in your book. So I am coming before the courts of heaven and I am bringing accusations against you so that God cannot legally release to you what's in your book. That's why the court was seated and the books were opened. Why? Because there has to be courtroom activity in heaven for us to be able to legally apprehend what's been written in our books. And the devil does not want that to happen. You see, the whole issue is there's something written in the books of heaven about Life Springs Church. There's something written in the books of heaven about each one of us individually. And that's why the battle is on. Because the devil has and is searching out legal reasons to stop what is in the book from becoming reality. We need to go into the course of heaven in prayer tonight. And I'll show you how to do it. And break that thing. So that now God can, can fully, legally re- release to us what has been written in heaven about us. Amen? Is that, is that, I, I'm not trying to confuse you. I'm trying to boil this down and cause us to understand tonight. But this is really, really important that we get this. So, so there's a court in heaven that is seated and the books are open that, are, that contain our destinies. And the destinies of nations and the destiny of churches and the destiny of anything that's kingdom in its nature. That has kingdom purpose attached to it. Okay. So that's what's going on in Luke chapter 18 when Jesus is teaching her to pray. This is the way you go into the ju- judicial system of heaven. You, and, I'll, and I'll finish with that here in just a moment. You, you go into this system and you know how to operate to get justice. To get justice. That's what she said. Grant me justice. Avenge me. my Get justice for me. What does that mean? I want what's rightfully mine. That's what justice is. Give me what belongs to me. There are things in your book that you have not yet got, even though they legally belong to you, because God wrote them down about you before time began. I want what's in my book. I want it. I I don't, I don't want the devil to have any of it. I want everything that belongs to me to be mine. 
But I have to know how to get legal things in place for that to begin to be a reality. It's really important that we understand that. Because that's why. So the enemy comes along and he says, I'm going to, I'm going to come and I'm going to attack this people based on legalities. I'm going to attack them. And I'm going to use issues against them until they come to enough understanding to know how to stop it. To know how to... See, in my dream where I had a shotgun and I just shot it randomly, that's all I knew to do then. In fact, that was the way I prayed. It was like a shotgun blast. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't know what to pray, so I'll just shoot up, shoot up here among them and see if something happens. Seriously, that was the way I prayed in those days. I didn't know any... I, I prayed with as much understanding as I had. But now God, through this understanding, has caused me to be much more laser-like in my prayers so that no longer am I just shooting up in the midst of them. Maybe now we can get our bullseye on something, our aim on something, and actually hit it and bring it down much more effectively. So that's what, that's, what we, that's what we want to be able to do, and that's what we want to be able to accomplish. There, there was one more thing I want to say, and I, I hesitate to throw this out here, but you need to understand this. How many know we serve God, our God that is our Father? Jesus said, I, I ascend to my God, your God, to my Father, your Father. He's our Father. Amen? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. But He's also judge. Hebrews chapter 12, 23, He said He's a judge of all. So he, he occupies, in many other places, speaks of him being judge. So here's the deal. Judge is a legal position. Father is a relational position. So, but he occupies both places. So what does that mean? How many of you have ever, I know you've got, you got guys in here that are intercessors. How many of you have ever been in, in the realm of prayer and you feel this passion? You know it's God's passion rising in you. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you begin to weep a little bit. You don't understand. All of us, I just feel his passion. And you're praying from this unction of what I consider to be the Father's passion. And you're, and you're thinking, man, that, that was just a, such a tremendous time of prayer. So surely things are, we, we got it done. Things are shifting. And nothing changes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Nothing changes. Except we had a great time with the Lord. And then we walk out of there wondering, did I just get hyped up and emotional or what happened? Because nothing changed. No, no. It was the real passion of the Father that you were sensing. But here's the issue. You have to grant God the legal right as judge to fulfill his Father's passion. See, we can sense the passion of the Father, but never get legal things in place that allow him the legal right to fulfill his passion as Father. Let me talk to you this way. Do you understand that? And I'm just trying to help you understand some things. I know I'm making you think, but that's okay. Because we'll finish up with something that's practical. The Bible says we're kings and priests, right? He's made us a nation of kings and priests. We're a, we're a royal priesthood. Royal speaks of kingly. We're of the order. Jesus is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews 7 says he was the king of Salem and priest of Most High God. So if we're kings and priests and we're priests, what priesthood are we a part of? We're not a priest of the Levitical priesthood because Jesus isn't of that priesthood. He is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. That means if we're operating as priests with him, we are of that same order, the order of Melchizedek. So we're not keeping legal laws and all those things. We're walking out of divine relationship, and we are of that same order. But we're kings and priests. Okay, watch this. You've got to get this. What was the job of the high priest? It was to offer sacrifices that gave God the legal right to be merciful to his people. See, what would Aaron do? He would go into the holy place the most holy place, one time a year with the blood of bulls and goats. He would sprinkle it, pour it out, and that blood, that blood that was offered would give God the legal right to roll sin back for one more year. Is that not what it did? It was, when God saw the blood, it granted him legal right. Well, Jesus takes his own blood, goes in that same place, the real place in heaven, and pours that blood out as our high priest. And that grants God the legal right now to be merciful to us and forgive us of our sins when we ask him to. 
Not because God's feeling benevolent that day, but because a legal thing was put in the place that now grants God the legal right to be merciful to our sins. That was the job of the high priest. Are you with me? We're kings and priests. What does that mean? Our job as priests are to get legal things in place by taking by faith the blood of Jesus and answering every accusation. That silence is the accuser. God now has a legal right because of the blood we're taking and applying it in the situation. God now has a legal right to hear our cries and answer our petitions. Because priests basically do two things. They intercede and give God the legal right to be merciful when he wouldn't have otherwise been able to be merciful. You need to understand this about God. He's always looking for the reason to be merciful. Always. But what do kings do? Once legal things are in place, kings make decrees. That's what kings do. They sit on their throne and they make decrees. The priest puts things legally in place. Kings from that legal place that has been created now make decrees, if you can hear this, that heaven backs up. We're going to do that in just a moment. We're going to just get legal things in place for this house. We're going to deal with the history of this house that's creating boundaries. Those boundaries, I believe, will be broken. They will be removed. I believe we'll be able to stop a lot, if not all, of the attacks that have been coming because we're putting legal things in place. And from that place, we will then have the right to begin to make decrees that heaven backs up. And we will operate as kings and priests. Now, you've got to understand, I have hours of teaching, so I'm hitting some high spots. 20 hours probably plus of teaching on this. I do schools on it and all sorts of things. But the, some of the body of Christ is beginning to grab hold of it because we began to understand, you know what? We have a right to function in these realms. Now, let's go back to Luke 18. So Jesus puts prayer. He puts prayer in a legal system. He said, when you pray, you're in, actually entering a judicial system. Luke chapter 18. I'm going to give you five things in closing here, and then we'll just begin to pray and minister and whatever else God might have us to do. And by the way, you can operate in this in your own personal life. Luke chapter 18, and verses 1 through 8, we read it. I just put your principles for stopping attacks and getting justice in place, getting what's rightfully ours. How many of you want us rightfully yours? And by the way, there's more for you than you can. If, if we could just get a glimpse into the books of heaven concerning what's written about us, we would be amazed. We would be amazed what was actually written down about our destinies and our futures. So in Luke chapter 1, verse 18, I'm going to give you five keys. And we're going to, we'll just do some of this here in just a moment. Number one, the first key to getting things in place and functioning in the judicial system of God and answering accusations and silencing all that, getting things in place so that everything comes to order. Number one is realize we are in a court. We are in a court. I've already touched that. We, when, when Jesus specifically, strategically revealed that this woman was in a court system, she approached an unjust judge, and his point was, if an unjust judge will do this for a woman that simply won't stop, how much more will the righteous judge God himself do this for us that are his children? That's good news. That's good news. See, see, so many people think prayer is informing God of our need or convincing God to meet our need. That is not true. Jesus said in, in Matthew 6, the Father knows what you have need of before you ask. When I come to pray, I am not informing him of what I need. Neither am I trying to convince him to do something for me. Prayer is coming into an agreement with him so that now he has a legal right to be able to put things in place so that he can get his will done in the earth. Prayer is not informing God, neither is it convincing God to answer us. It is an act of covenant faith that says, I am agreeing with you, and I am granting you the legal right as part of your priesthood for you to be able to do in the earth what you want to do anyway. I, he wants to do it. We simply agree with him. That's what prayer is. So we're coming into a court system. Number two, we watch this. In, in verse 3 of Luke 18, she never addresses the adversary. She only addresses the judge. She doesn't scream, yell, a cur- yell curse, bind loose the devil. She never does that. 
she addresses the judge. Because she is a smart woman. She knows she didn't even have to bother herself with the adversary if she can get a verdict from the judge. If the judge renders a verdict, if he renders a verdict against the adversary, it's a done deal. Now, I'll, I'll touch it to balance that out in just a moment. I'll touch something. But the bottom line is, how many Christians do you know? I rebuke you, Satan. I command you to go, Satan. Get out of my way, Satan. And we're yelling and screaming, but we never, we've never gotten anything legally in place in the spirit realm that allows us to do that. Because there's been no verdict come from heaven that allows the judge to judge the adversary because we've never presented a case that can hold water in the courts of heaven. So we have to know how to do that. So she doesn't scream at the adversary. She doesn't rebuke him. What she does is she addresses the judge. And she begins to seek to grant him a legal right by the evidence she's presenting to put things in place so that God can now have the legal right to do what he, what he, to do what he wants to do, which is get the adversary moved out of the way. Number three, she continues in the court. Verse 7, in other words... The, the point here in verse 7 is that God will avenge his elect to cry out to him day and night. There is to be something to be said for preserving, uh, persevering prayer. There is something to be said for just keeping on, keeping on, keeping on, keeping on. I used to call it pestering prayer. I mean, my mom, when I was growing up, she'd call me a pest because if I wanted something, I just wouldn't stop. We have one like that, the youngest one. Like, if you, don't, if you don't hush. But the truth is, so often he gets what he wants because you said, please just be quiet. So there is something to be said for persevering prayer. And if we, listen, if we don't see the answer come, somebody says, how long should I pray? Until what you're praying for happens. I'm not going to stop prematurely. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep pressing. Somebody said, well, I was always told it was a lack of faith. Well, you were told wrong. Because it has nothing to do with it. Jesus actually taught, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying until the answer comes. So we keep presenting our petitions before the court of heaven. And watch this. As we're pre- I don't know if you realize this, but when you pray, sometimes you're, you're pre- pre- presenting your petitions. But the deal is the Holy Spirit comes in and he says, okay, you've been hitting with a shotgun blast. Here's a laser beam effect. If you'll touch this, everything will open up and everything will change. I don't think Adam would mind me telling this. Adam went to a very, very, very difficult place for going for going on two years. Probably, he was in a tremendous place of depression. I had prayed for him. I'd cried. I'd wept. I'd rebuked the devil. I'd screamed at the devil. I'd screamed at God. I tried to encourage him. I tried to shame him. I tried to do everything to get him out of that place for two years. The Lord said, I began to see this. He said, bring him to my courts. So I brought him to the courts. And real quickly, I repented for Adam as an intercessor and as his father. He wasn't anywhere around. Repented for Adam for anything. Lord, I just repent for him, for him just laying down, for him just quitting, for him just giving up, for him not being faithful, for him not being faithless. I just repented for everything. And all of a sudden, I felt a shift. I just asked you in the court of heaven. I asked for the blood of Jesus to forgive him. And then the Lord said this to me. He said, now you repent for every negative thing you have said about Adam in your frustration because the devil is taking your words into the courts of heaven as the accuser and is saying, even his own father says this about him. And so I began to repent for the things I had spoken in frustration. I don't understand why he won't get up. I don't understand why he won't just do that. I don't and I repented for I felt a shift. Now the Lord said, now you began to decree from that legal position you created, you began to decree his destiny. And I began to decree, wake thou the sleepers, get up. I command you will carry the word of the Lord. Because the day he was born, the Lord said to me, oh, how beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news. His feet are beautiful. He will carry the gospel into this nation and even into the nations of the earth. He will be used greatly of God. His feet are beautiful upon the mountains, declaring the gospel. I just began to declare this. And all of a sudden I felt something shift. I've been praying for two years. So a week and a half passes, and Adam calls me on the phone. Dad, 
Yeah. I don't know what happened. A week and a half ago, all of a sudden the depression left. And I'm ready to do God's will. I accomplished, and now watch this, seriously, I accomplished in 15 minutes in the courts of heaven what I had not accomplished in two years on a battlefield. This stuff works. See, we think it's about more effort. It's about secrets. When you discover secrets, you step into new realms of fruitfulness. God is not looking for more effort. He's looking for strategic effort. Number four. Once things are legally in place, now we have the right to step in as kings from our priestly position and make decrees. Now I can decree against the enemy and things will move because every legal thing has been taken out of the way that allows him to operate. So we decree against the enemy. Decrees that heaven backs up. And then the last thing, five, uh, number five, is expect quick, quick turnarounds. Luke 18 and verse 8. It says, it says, will God not avenge his own elect who cry out to him day and night? Watch this. Yes, he will avenge them speedily. How many of you would like, you say, man, I am just so tired. I'm just so worn out. I'm so sick of this battle. I'm so tired of this. It's wearing me down. You see, I would love speedy answers. He said, when you get legal things in place, and from that legal position now make decrees, heaven responds, everything shifts in the spirit realm, and quick answers come. He will avenge them. He will grant justice to them quickly. I say, I'm ready for some of that. How about you? So I'm ready for some things to come into place. Now, I know that some of you don't understand everything I've said, but that's okay. There's a destiny written in heaven about you. And I'm going to try to help us walk through some of this as a corporate group here for just a moment. And we're going to shut some stuff down. We're going to get some things in place. Are you ready? Are you, can you do, it, do that with me? And, and watch this. And then God's going to release personal destiny. So would you stand up with me? And Pastor Dan... Thank you, Father. So we're going to posture ourselves. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me. I'm going to ask you, lead you through some prayers. It won't take long. But listen, we're not just doing rote routine. This stuff works. And here's what I want you to hear from me. This stuff works. And we can see some things happen tonight that have been hindered and not happened up to this point. So everybody say, Lord Jesus, right now. I want to thank you for who you are. Lord Jesus, thank you for your cross. Thank you for the blood that was shed for me. Shed for my family. Shed for this church. Shed, shed for this region. For the cities of the Northwest. Lord, you love us more than we can possibly imagine. And we have come, Lord, as your church, as a, as a part of your church in this region. And Lord, we've been under attack because the devil is afraid of what's written in the books about us. And he doesn't want us getting that in place. So I want to ask, Lord, that you forgive me right now and forgive us for any place that he's found a legal right to resist us. Lord, anything in our history as a church that has created boundaries, we repent of. Lord, anything that's against you, we repent of and we just ask right now that the blood of Jesus the blood of Jesus cleanses us and washes us individually and corporately let every boundary be removed let any illegal or immoral thing any unethical thing any unrighteous thing 
that is known or unknown. Let it be cleansed by the blood. Let it be cleansed by the blood. Let the blood of Jesus wash it away. Anything that the devil would use to resist me and resist us, let it be washed. Let it be washed. Anything that the enemy is using to create boundaries that are not from you, let it be cleansed in the name of Jesus. We repent. We repent. And we accept your grace and your mercies that come from that repentance right now in the name of Jesus. We declare, Lord, you're our king. You're our savior. You're our judge. You're the righteous one who sits on the thrones of heaven. You are King Almighty. And just lift your hands. Just begin to worship Him. We just worship. We join with the chorus of heaven. We worship. We worship you, Savior. You're our Savior. You're our King. You've written awesome, glorious, wonderful things in the books of heaven about us. We want what's in the books, Lord. We want justice. We want what's rightfully ours, Lord. And we repent for any place, Lord, that we have allowed things, Lord, that would allow the enemy legal right to attack us. We thank you that those things are removed. Those things are washed away. Those things are cleansed, Lord. We are free from them in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want you to say these words. Say, now, Father... As we have sought, out of our understanding, we see through a glass darkly. But as much as we understand, we have sought to get things in place. Now, Father, from the place of kingly authority, we make decrees. We say, Satan, your powers are broken. We say every attack, we declare you must cease and desist. You must stop now. Every sickness, you're broken. Every circumstance, you're removed. In the name of Jesus, we, we, we bring divine order. We, we bring divine purpose, divine peace into place right now. And we say, Lord, our heart is your kingdom passion. Now, Lord, we ask that your will be done. And, Lord, we're asking you for verdicts from the courts against every power of the darkness, every power, every principality. We say you're moved. I just sense to do something. Father, it's one that has been invited in. Because of that invitation, there's been a realm of jurisdiction, the spirit realm have given me. I just stand here as your vessel. And I say, let everything that's been operating against this house, let it now stop. Every financial attack, every circumstantial attack, every relational attack, every health issue, I declare your presence brings it. I declare the anointing of the Father breaks the yokes. Just moves everything out of the way. Satan, I take authority over your works and command you to flee. For the word of the Lord says if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. We declare that it's broken. And I call this house and this people into a place perfected peace. I say that life springs will go to the future and the destiny that you ordained for it. I say that every boundary that has been created by its history is now free to be expanded. That you enlarge our borders on on the left hand, on the right. You enlarge them, Lord Jesus. I declare new levels of prosperity come. I decree multiplication of growth 
So much so that there has to be wisdom to know what to do with it and how to facilitate it. That you will use this house as a shining beacon. As a shining beacon. I say that the lost will come in and feel comfortable. Lord, not comfortable in their sin, but comfortable as those that are loved. I say that even as Jesus was the friend of sinners, that this place will be known as a place. Not of self-righteousness, but as a place where sinners can come with all of their stuff and experience the redemptive power of who you are. I cause the boundaries to increase. enlarged. Be enlarged in Jesus' name. I say, the Bible says that hell has enlarged yourself. I say the kingdom of God is enlarged, increasing on every side. I thank you for this, Lord. I thank you for the presence of the living God. Thank you for doing this, Lord. Thank you for doing it, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Isn't the Lord good? Thank you for your grace, Lord. Thank you for your mercies. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for the anointing. Father, let it be done. Let, it, let, let this be marked as a day and as a time when everything is ordered and everything is in place. In Jesus' name. I know it's 8.30, but if I would love to, if you any that would desire, I would love to just pray for you. Because each person in this room has a book in heaven. You have a book in heaven. I have a book in heaven. It's, 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 what's, what it's about is the destiny. God said, I know the thoughts I think about you. Thoughts of good and not evil to give you a future and a hope. Amen? So how many of you would like me? Because I, I can't pray for everybody extensively. But if you just set your heart and you say, and we would, we'll just do this corporately, and I'll just pray for anybody, that, just lay hands on anybody that wants to, that I want what's in my book. Amen? Let's just do that. Say, Father, right now, I want to thank you that what's written in my book, I want it. I want it. And, Father, I ask you that anything the enemy is using against me legally, I I repent of that by the blood of Jesus. I thank you that I'm cleansed from that. Myself and my bloodline is cleansed in Jesus' name. And I thank you that now I have a legal right to everything that's in my book. And I decree that every attack of the enemy against me now stops. It stops now in Jesus' name. And I am free to move into the purposes that God has for me in all that's been written in the books. And I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.